Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale. Mental health and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Our producer today, Miss Alicia Cox. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. 293 affiliates and counting. Our two newest ones, KDEX, AM and FM in Dexter, Missouri and KWOC in Poplar Bluff, Missouri, AM and FM. We want to say thank you to the folks at River Radio who uh, got us on at KWOC and Mr. Ken Davison at KDEX in Dexter, Missouri. We are most happy to have you as part of the America's Healthcare Advocate family. You can follow me on Facebook if you would like to do that. The Facebook page is America's Healthcare Advocate, America's Healthcare Advocate. Shows are posted up there. Information is posted up there. There's a lot of information on the Facebook page. If you want to connect with me, you can do it that way as well. Also, all the shows are posted on podcast platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Play, TuneIn, and iTunes. So if you want to tell somebody about a broadcast or you want to go back and listen to a show, they are on all those podcast platforms and available to you if you want to go up and listen to them. The website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. All right, we're going to do a fascinating show today. Joining me today on the air is Dr. Simon Maltus. Welcome to the show, doctor. Well, thank you for inviting me. We're happy to have you. A little bit about Dr. Maltus. Dr. Simon Maltus is an active cardiac surgeon, one of the world's largest providers of healthcare services at one of the world's largest providers of healthcare services. He is a board he is board certified from Canada, served as the previous vice chair at Mayo Clinic. He has a doctorate degree in biomedical engineering and heart regeneration. He is internationally recognized leader in the field of heart transplantation, mechanical heart devices, and alternative cardiac interventions. Oh, thank you very much. You sound like a very busy man, doctor. I'm very happy to have you on the air here today. <laughs> Yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's certainly been a journey. Yeah, I'm sure it probably has. So you wrote a book, and I, we're going to talk a little bit about that book today, um, uh, called Healthcare Anonymous, Learn How to Put Yourself First While Pursuing a Calling. I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, what led you to write this book, and then tell us a little about what is actually in the book? Yeah, so it, it is a, a bit of a branching from my clinical practice, but over the last two to three years, I've experienced myself some challenges and professional, uh, you know, some struggles and things. And then over over the last two years, um, started to talk about it and and um, and then change things in my own personal life to uh, start speaking to others, uh, whether it's coworkers, nurses. Uh, other doctors and started to really compile a list of either behaviors and or struggles or common themes and and after a year of doing so 
it, as it helped me myself uh, get better, I decided to uh, to put that in a book, and it sort of slowly came together as a really a, a journey to try to help others uh, that are going through uh, challenges and struggles during this pandemic in the healthcare system. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because I've done, um, I, I, I can't count the number of shows I've done with some very learned doctors on this broadcast about all the different things going on with COVID way back to when it first started, um, whether it's vaccines or whether it's what's going on in the ICU units or, or you know, what precautions people should be taking. But I, one thing that I thought that I've seen overall from all of these providers who have come on this broadcast and talked to me is they are all experiencing a very high level of stress. And, and, and also a lot of them are experiencing a lot of burnout, not just the doctors, but nurses and other clinicians, because the, the impact of this has been so great. And it's fallen right on the medical provider community. Has it not, doctor? That's right, Kerry. And I think the the point of the book is not to be any controversial or anything, but the COVID has been more of a catalyst, I think, for from a, for a lot of those things. And so, a lot of the underlying, and I call it in the book, healthcare disease, right? So, so people functioning in high intensity environment have developed a certain number of skills. They've acquired a certain number of behaviors within the system that is demanding, that is sort of taxing on them. And then you sort of throw in uh, extra challenges, whether it's whether it's pandemic, whether it's finances, whether it's it's sort of emotional struggles or family or personal things, and that's where I think some of these things like burnout and anxiety then develop. So describing this as or burnout or anxiety or addictions as an acute process rather than an end result, and so it's an acute process. That, but looking back, it process has been there for a long time, and so. Uh, what I'm trying to do with the book is really to make people understand that there's a process to it. And like any other sports, whether it's uh, high intensity sports or whether it's uh, whether it's being a CEO of a business, work, working in healthcare is very demanding. And any of those situations can put um, can put physicians, nurses and, and aides at risk of developing that kind of problem. Yeah, and I would imagine, you know, as you said, this has been going on for a long time. This pandemic seems like it's never going to end. You know, we get one iteration after another, you know, from Omicron to, you know, the next one that comes along. Um, the, the, the stress level, uh, I, I know for a fact on, on a lot of the doctors that I know and the nurses, um, has been tremendous um, because right. of the work overload, first of all, because, you know, the ICU units were, you know, we had Dr. Andrew Schlechter on here who runs the ICU unit here at St. Luke's Healthcare System and talked about all the stress that they're under and how difficult right. it's been for them. We had people being shipped in here from other cities and other states because they didn't have enough beds and they were shipping them into Kansas City because we fortunately enough did. But it has been very, very stressful for these providers, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, and and it, the dealing with resources is a great is a great stressor. Not being able to provide uh, all the care that we need to for patients, or even facing sicker patients, we don't really talk about that much. But the ripple effect of of people waiting to come to the hospital, at least in heart surgery, uh, having people you know sicker, uh, a load of cases that are really just harder to deal with as a as a human being as a provider. And then having to and having to deal with the emotional struggles to either lose more patients or have more complications or being sort of faced with uh, tired teams, and so 
the these are really unmeasurable things. It's really hard to to measure the impact of that on the force as it is to maybe eventually see a high rate of turnover or a lot of high rate of depression and that kind of thing. But it's been it's been taxing. But the underlying problem and it's been there for a long time. So I think it has revealed a chronic, more sustained problems within our healthcare. That's interesting because basically I think what I hear you saying is it has been there, but COVID forced you to, and is forcing focus on that problem because it's bringing it to the forefront in, in a much more dramatic way. Would that be a reasonable assessment? Absolutely. And it is, it is also stressing not only just the workspace, but the personal space, the uh, personal care space. There's just a lot of areas that, um, you have to sort of dig in to uh, to provide that extra energy to to, to help our patients and, and and help our systems go through those those kind of of, um, of environment and and that is a tremendous impact on on the provider itself for sure. Yeah, you know it's interesting because I I, I read a story the other day about um, the vast number of nurses that are literally leaving the profession. Very interesting. That there was a particular story about a nurse who went and got her CDC license, her commercial driver's license, uh, so she could become a truck driver, and she's driving a truck, <laughs> and she, and she likes it. I mean, it, it and and uh, you know, God knows we need truckers to get and and and. You know, move things back and forth across this country, but you got to ask yourself. You know, when you've got nurses leaving the profession in these large numbers, how does that further impact everything that's going on? Yeah, and and nurses, doctors, I have countless stories through my journey in this book that people have even like tried to leave but couldn't, and and the impact on this is huge. It is yeah. it is immediate, right? So you it lose is- experience, you lose a body to take care of patients. Yeah, but imagine you know a nurse taking care of people in the ICU. You're looking at a, a 10, 15 years, 20 years even of specialized training of people that won't be able to take care of patients because they just had enough and and. And that's you exactly you, you that's mentioned what, truck driving, but it's a profession that allows you to control your schedule. You're with yourself, yeah. and you're away from all the pressures of external factors as well. It is indeed. We're going to come back after the break. You're listening to Dr. Simon Maltus here on America's Healthcare Advocate. His book is called Healthcare Anonymous: How to Put Yourself First While Pursuing a Calling. We'll be right back after the break. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. We've got more. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast. Across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. If you've got a question, a comment, or an email, send it to me from the website. I will get back to you, I promise. Once again, the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. My producer, the always perfect Mr. Alicia Cox, she is joining us today in studio here, helping me get this show on the air. I am your host, Carrie Hall. Also joining us by phone, Dr. Simon Maltus, a cardiac surgeon and the author of of the book, Healthcare Anonymous, Learn How to Put Yourself First While Pursuing a Calling. Fascinating book, and what you're hearing today from doctor who's taken time to be with us today 
is something that everybody, you know, there are a lot of people dealing with this, not just medical folks. I'll, you know, we talked about that in the last segment, but uh, I mentioned off air to the doctor, I've got a daughter who works at Morgan Stanley, um, financial planner. I've got another doctor, another daughter who's an attorney. They're both primarily working from home, and they've got two-year-olds and three-year-olds running around the house. So there's a lot of stress that not, you know, throughout because of this whole COVID thing. Doctor, talk a little bit about your book and how it addresses that issue for people that are actually working from home in high-stress jobs and having to juggle, you know, the home situation with the job. And things don't get any easier. They get more difficult, unfortunately, Doctor. Absolutely, and I, I have children on my own, and so having to deal with with the, some of these challenges has been certainly a, a new theme for for our family. But um, some of the themes that we've we've gathered throughout this uh, this book or this process of, of collecting data and, and stories is that a lot of the common themes that we've had uh, gathered the nurses or doctors are really kind of themes that you can reproduce in high performing, other high performing environments. And so whether it's being a lawyer, being, like you said, or being in, in sort of the, the CEO of a company or even working in sort of these demanding tech companies, a lot of the, a lot of the adjustments are difficult. And, um, and then I make the parallel in the book and I try to sort of bring out a few of these common themes, but I make parallel that some of these companies, and I was just reading Harvest Business Review recently, uh, that was going on to sort of talk about hybrid work and adapting to some of this pandemic change. Uh, historically, healthcare has been a bit harder to sort of adjust to this or allowing families to be home, allowing work from home, allowing to see patients virtually. And so I ho- hope my hope is that some of these challenges that people have experienced in other domains have been reflected into their ability to modify their workflow. Um, and, and for the better, um, and so and so, yeah, we go into some of these details and common themes uh, in in the book. You know, it, it, you mentioned change, and and I, it's really interesting because I don't think it'll ever go back to what it was before the pandemic, it, it, because people have gotten so used to this new way of doing things, and a lot of companies have you know, looked at this and said, you know what, um, it actually works better for our people in a lot of cases if they can work from home um, uh, and, and hours are more flexible and employers are actually having to agree to do that in order to be able to keep high-level staff members involved and on board uh, because, uh, you know, because of everything changed. Do you see us going back to everybody in the office nine to five or do you think the, that, that the pandemic has basically completely changed the landscape of how we're going to work from here on out? I think it has changed. I think it, it has proven to be effective into creating time, decreasing stress, improving um, some of the um, some of the well-being at work, and improving some, decreasing some of the turnover. Now, as mentioned earlier, people still historically think that you got to be sitting in your office day in day out in healthcare. And, uh, and, but a lot of that work can be done remotely. I don't have to see physically an 83 year old patient with his family who drove two hours away in the snow to come and see me. Uh, one day I can see them virtually, show them their tests, schedule their surgeries, and arrange everything uh, for the time, for the day of the intervention. Much more efficient. Uh, but again, it will, it will, it will need for us or some group of us or some movement for us to create 
um, to create some mechanism that we raise awareness, we propose some of these uh, risks and factors and things and, and, and things that can improve the systems. You know, and we are, you know, uh, starting some of these parallel business to help other uh, themes from the book uh, kind of reso- res- resonate into these other fields. You know, it's interesting because um, prior to the uh, the pandemic, um, in my previous business, you know, I was a healthcare broker, and one of the themes that we used to really preach to employers was to use the virtual systems to allow them to connect with doctors, whether it was for um, you know an urgent care visit because you had a child that had conjunctivitis, and you know, did you want to, especially in 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 rural settings where they had to drive, like you said, an hour, 45 minutes to get to an urgent care or a doctor. But if they did it virtually, you know, the doctor could see the child virtually, make the prescription drug, over, you know, virtually as well. And then all the, all the, uh, the patient has to do is go pick it up. What's interesting is we, we would never get a participa- participation rate over 10%. That has gone dramatically the other way now. You've, you know, it has jumped 93% since the pandemic started. So I guess one of the good things that's come out of this um, is, in fact, you know, connecting with doctors and specialists virtually. Um, Number one, it's easier. You're not driving. You're not sitting in a waiting room full of people um, the whole nine yards. My wife has got some heart issues, and we've been doing a lot of virtual back and forth with her doctors, and it's just so much easier. How do you as physicians see it versus having to have everybody right there in the office all the time? Yeah, no, I moved. I mean, I'm probably some of the more forward, uh, uh, forward-thinking people in regards to these things. But I moved my practice completely to be more efficient, virtual. Uh, when I come to the operating room, um, I'm booked for ten days. I'm there, and I have two cases every day for ten days. Whether I don't sit in my office waiting for cases or days that I don't have to do anything, uh, I can follow up phone calls and follow up. Uh, on time patients when I'm, when I'm not at the office from home where I can, you know, mow my lawn and then the next hour I'm seeing a patient for 45 minutes. I put my shorts back on and I finish the, <laughs> the mowing. And so, you know, you can imagine from a, from a family perspective, from just a well-being perspective, how these little moments really build up on, 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 on just your, your energy level and, and your dedication to things. And, and, and most importantly, makes it more efficient for the hospital. I mean, I even told my leadership, I don't need an office, really. I just need a computer that I can remotely, I can remote work from anywhere. And so you remove an office all of a sudden. You remove a space, a physical area. And so I think there's just I need an operating room still. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, you know, you, we, but, yeah. We're not doing that yet, but but yeah, but but you know, but it is interesting, and I think it's fascinating. Um, it has it has permanently changed the landscape, and I only I also think that 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 a lot of that is beneficial. Like you said, you know, you're doing one thing dealing with patients, and you got an hour, two hour gap, and go out and mow the lawn, come back and do it again. He is Dr. Simon Maltus. The book is. Um, Healthcare Anonymous, learn how to put yourself first while pursuing a calling. By the way, that book is available on Amazon if you want to read it. Um, it is Once again, the book is Healthcare Anonymous, uh, learn how to put yourself first while pursuing a calling. We're going to be right back after the break with more. We're going to talk with doctor about what's actually in the book now. What is he telling people to do? You know, if you're, you're dealing with addiction issues, people are drinking more, there are all kinds of issues going on. We're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. Stay tuned. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. The doctors in the house will be right back. 
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA radio network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com, americashealthcareadvocate.com. All the shows are posted on the platforms, Spotify, TuneIn, iTunes, SoundCloud, and they're all up there on those podcast platforms. You want to tell somebody about this show today with Dr. Simon Maltis, you can go up on the website and listen to it up there as well. Dr. Simon Maltis, his book is Healthcare Anonymous, Learn How to Put Yourself First While Pursuing a Calling. That book, by the way, is available on Amazon. Uh, If you want to go on Amazon and order it, you most certainly can do that. So, you know, doctor, there's a lot going on right now. It's really funny. I, I, I told you this off air. Liquor consumption in this country is at one of the highest levels it's ever been at. I mean, people are buying more alcohol and drinking more than they ever had. Now, I, I think it's probably coming down a little bit from where it was. But when we had the lockdowns, um, you go in a liquor store and half the time the shelves were partially empty, depending on what you were buying. So um, it, it certainly had a positive impact on the liquor market in terms of producing <laughs> liquor. But that's not necessarily a positive effect on the population that's drinking at all. You know, there are other issues we see as well, suicide issues, you know, as far as that's concerned. Uh, mental health issues. There are a whole host of things that have come out of this um, that are indirect results of all that's going on with COVID. And that that goes back to, you know, what you're talking about in your book and the levels of stress and what are people doing with. So kind of walk us through what you see as things that people can do and how they can manage these issues and still keep their lives on track. Doctor? Well, thank you, Carrie. Yeah, so I think, I think a lot of those issues became more even prominent during the the pandemic and um and the book goes you know for the first third of the book there's really an education part and i'd say education but like a realization into what people are functioning in. and we were talking earlier about um high performing and environments we do talk about healthcare, but we do make a lot of parallels with other environments that sort of are as demanding and so for the first part of the book we really go into examples um, that are sometimes personal, sometimes a bit more general, try to really kind of help people understand the environment and that the burnout, the drinking or the anxiety or even the suicidal tendencies, God forbid, or the end result of many years of sort of behavioral changes or some of the culture adaptation or some of the teaching even that we have within those high-demanding environments. And in the middle of the book, we really even go deeper where we present about 20 people who have, in various ways, experienced um, their own struggles. And so I don't like to make the parallel with healthcare anonymous with um, alcoholic anonymous, but we do have stories in the middle of people that have, have, have gone through that struggle. And of course, any book and any any sort of nonfiction book has to go into solutions, right? So, um, in the in the last third of the book, we really try to, with all humility, try to propose some of the lessons and things that uh, we've we've commonly associated with some of the problems uh, within those environments. And and some of the, I'd say for the for for the majority, there's really five common five steps that sort of come together. Um, and, 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 and in summary, it's being honest, um, realizing that, and it took me a long time to realize that, but, um, that once everybody seems to be driving in the wrong direction, you're probably the one driving in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. And so 
starting to being honest and authentic and realize that something's got to change, whether it's your interaction with the system, whether it's leaving all together, whether it's just reassessing your values and your objectives within work. And so we really kind of have this first step, which is a realization that uh, it comes internally. And for a lot of us within those high-performing systems, perfectionism is at the middle of everything. I call it you are not God. And so trying to understand that you're not, you, you don't decide the faith of everybody. You don't decide the faith of a group of people going in one direction or the other. And some of the perfectionism characteristics that have been present for a lot of us within those systems to get where we want to be within those uh, systems is are hurting us. And so the self-criticism, the, uh, the doubt, the some of the criticism. So, so we, we go deeper into what it means to uh, realize and, and assess perfectionism. And, and finally, I, and then the third step is really, and I call it shut up and take the mask off. And, and shutting up doesn't, need, doesn't mean like shutting up altogether and not responding to anything. It's really kind of proning silence and, and listening to people and listening to what's going on around you and try to sort of get out of the vortex, I call it in the book, that is swirling around you within, within the, that, that really brings those challenges and those stressors up to a different level. Um, a lot of those situations also involve in the step four being, uh, avoiding re- being resentful or forgiving, forgiving yourself, forgiving others to try to, um, try to move on from the current situation. And, and I, and there's a fifth step, which I've created in some ways to really kind of understand that being in those systems and being sick is a chronic disease. And I call it virus, virus scanning yourself, meaning every day, take a time, take a moment to realize where you're at, what's your level of stress. Have you slept the night before? Do you anticipate to, to, to have too much things to do during the day? And do you need to cut up, cut on some of those things? And, and for me, it was, uh, it's a constant battle. I, w- I was performing in these high environment systems, performing four or five surgeries a day, being on all the committees and a plane every two weeks and anywhere around the world to promote some of the surgeries. But that's not where I, that's what, that is not what's making me happy now. And for some it will, for some it won't, but virus, virus kinding yourself to be able to um, identify those things. And then for, for all the, whether it's for the provider or for the system, in the last chapter, we really dig in more specific things to do. For the, for the person is to work with an agenda, how to do that, how, when to do that, um, practicing gratitude. Um, and then for the system, maybe uh, being flexible at work, uh, promoting hybrid work and how to do it. And so we go really into specific details and tips and pitfalls, basically, to help people uh, get better within the system. And we even created the, uh, we call it breakthroughpoints.com, which is like our own SWAT team approach to making systems better. So we propose uh, us or a group of us going to their system to educate people and basically do a mini version of the book within the system to help people get a little better, not 100% better, but a little better to try to propose some solutions that are specific and tailored to their own um, to their own uh, systems and practices. And so, in a nutshell, Carrie, that's what that's what we're we're proposing in the book. You know, it's fascinating. There's a couple of things here you said that I thought was very interesting. Number one, you are not God. 
Uh, you know, you, there's a there's a there's a biblical saying that we plan, God laughs. <laughs> you know, right. and, and 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 that comes from, and I'm guilty of this, trying to control everything around you. You've got to control it, okay? <clears throat> you can't control everything around you, and I think you know that's that. I speak for myself here, and I know for many others. If you're, you know, in a high stress occupation, or you're, you're like you, you're very busy. You're, you know, you're doing surgeries. Those are very high stress situations. You're on a board of directors. You're, you're flying around the country speaking, etc. You get so caught up in this when you talked about the vortex. Sometimes I think we forget that there's a normal life, and you're so caught up in what you're doing that by the time you figure it out, you, you've got other serious problems, whether they're health problems or marriage problems, or relationship problems, whatever the case may be. Does that make sense, Doctor? Yeah, and it's the end result of, of, of the problem. When you're saying, you know, we're, we're getting into divorce, we're getting into being sick, we're getting into having financial problems, losing some families and friends, that is the end result of a chronic problem, always putting work or, 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 or the, uh, the occupation at first. I mean, how many times did I leave dinners and suppers to go um, to go do surgery in the middle of the night because even when I was not on call, and uh, and and then just all these things had the limit. And my my ex-wife now used to say, "I'm not putting makeup on before we're physically in the car going to the restaurant." You know, <laughs> and it, it, yeah, like, I get that. I, mean, I understand but, but that. From an outside yeah. perspective, that may be normal, but it's. It, from an inside perspective, it may be normal, but it's really not. It's it's not normal. <laughs> no, it's not yeah, normal. Yeah. And I, I know, you know my, my wife will, will be out somewhere, and you know I'll have the phone, and that's another problem. You know, with with the with the phones these days, and the the electronic leash is what I call it. You know, she'll say to me, "We're off today. You're not taking any business calls today, or stop reading that text message." We're, but the problem is, like you said, we get so caught up in this that I think it's sometimes very hard to see the forest for the trees. You know, it's uh, really appreciate your taking time, Doctor. You know, the book, I think this book is something everybody should take a look at, especially if you're in a high-stress environment. The book is called Healthcare Anonymous, Learn How to Put Yourself First While Pursuing a Calling. I think Doctor did a great job of just laying all that out. It's available on Amazon. I urge you to take a moment to go up there and take a look at it. Read a sample of it and see what you think. We'll be right back after the break with more. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Broadcasting, coast to coast across the USA. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more with Dr. Simon Mullins. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting coast to coast across the fruited plain here on the HI Radio Network. My producer today, Miss Alicia Cox. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. You can learn more about us at the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. As I said, all these shows are posted on the platform podcast platforms. Tune in, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Play. They're all they're up there on every one of those platforms. Joining me again, uh, Doctor uh, Dr. Simon Maltus is with us today. His book, Healthcare Anonymous: Learn How to Put Yourself First While Pursuing a Calling. I think in that last segment, we got pretty good insight into some of the things that doctors identifying. Again, you know, we focus a lot on medical here too, but understand this: this is affecting people all over the country in a lot of different ways. Which is why I think taking a moment to read this book might be extremely helpful. One of the things he said that was interesting in that last segment was 
You're taking baby steps. You're not going to do this overnight. But if you don't identify the problem, you're never going to solve the problem. And that's why I think this book is well worth your time to take a look at. It's called Healthcare Anonymous, Learn How to Put Yourself First While Pursuing a Calling. It's available on Amazon, so you can order it or you can probably download it off Kindle, whatever you want to do. Um, but there, there's a great opportunity there, and it would probably be worth your while to take a moment and read it. All right, doctor, so I came across an article. In fact, it was actually this morning, and my wife suffers from a significant heart issue. Um, she has cardiomyopathy, um, and so we're very, very cognizant of, of COVID and the relationship to heart. And this article today was a study done on 144,000 veterans at the VA service, and it, it, it was a little bit surprising, and it was certainly not good news, and that is that COVID has long-lasting effects, especially for people that have heart issues, and they're just uncovering, um, evidently, how significant this is. So can you give us a little insight into what you know about that and how COVID is affecting people that have existing heart issues and maybe those that even don't that are going to have long-term heart issues as a result of COVID? Doctor? Yeah, absolutely. I think, Carrie, this is a, a topic that we will hear about for years to come, and there will be more and more groups like this, whether it's uh, at-risk uh, population like the VA groups or others, uh, older patients and, and people uh, with some of these comorbidities like diabetes or heart problems that will have long-lasting effect. And we're seeing really unusual things, at least in my practice, there's several uh, manuscripts and papers coming out that the you know we have this um, this uh, measure to look at we take mortality now the observed mortality during the covid for simple cardiac surgery procedures is really above what it should be and that is because one patients are waiting but we're seeing devastating consequences of covid people have a lower heart function because the muscles being damaged we see uh, acute clots from clot formation and, and those bypasses that we do and so some of these patients get sicker really quickly after surgery and so we we do we are learning and we by the way don't know what to do with it uh, my wife is a cardiologist and she is more in the thick of this but she sees a lot of patients with inflammation around the heart we call it pericarditis so chronic pain from just the heart sac being uh, inflamed after COVID. Uh, we see patients with lower heart function in the long run uh, from all these inflammation markers and things like that. And so I think it's just the tip of the iceberg from what we're going to see in the next few years. And by the way, the medical community has no clue how to deal with this. We do have some insight uh, into how to treat it. We have, we have some medications or common themes, but we, we don't know how to face this, and that, that could be a bit of a scary thing for us. I think it's scary as hell, okay, and, and, and I speak personally because of my wife's situation, but having said that, um, you know, <laughs> what do you see as the long-term effects of this? Because as you said, it, it, this doesn't look like it's going away anytime soon, and when you're talking about damaged heart muscle, that doesn't get rebuilt back, does it? Um, in some instances, it doesn't. If you start, uh, um, you look at patients, there are a couple of studies that have recently been published looking at um, magnetic resonant imaging of the heart, you know, weeks and months after having COVID, and you can see scar tissue just like you would see with a heart attack um, or, or something that is, is a chronic problem. And even people being at risk, perhaps, of rhythm uh, problem around that scar. And so, and that is for the people that we've looked at. And so imagine at the scale of how COVID has been 
widespread uh, among different at-risk population how in the next few years we'll just continue to uncover um, some of these uh, long-term consequences. And, and yeah, to your point, I mean, we, we do have patients right now, a year or two after, after COVID, that have a heart function that's half of what should be. And, and, you know, aside of the usual heart medication to make that better, uh, which is probably some of the mechanism, but not all of it, um, we're, we're a bit sort of faced with, with uh, obscure sort of things here. You know, it, it, and we've only got a couple minutes left here, but but I, I have to ask the question, and, and you know, don't send me a bunch of emails, people, because I'm not going to pay any attention to it if you do. You know, the question to me comes then, how important is it to get vaxxed, get the vaccine, and how important is, is it to take preventative measures like washing your hands? Um, you know, I use a spray called Triology. It's all natural. I spray it in my mouth and in my hands every time I walk in and out of a store. I wear a mask. Um, I keep... You know, how important are those preventative things along with getting vaccines, doctor? Yeah, it's a slippery slope, as you know, for, for a professional to sort of get into those conversations. But for sure, the vaccine has altered the the, the amount of death and, and inflammation rate from, from the disease. And so we have many studies that show that uh, it it improves the uh, the the likelihood of getting over an infection. I, outside of death, we see a lot of people in the unit and things uh, that have gotten better really quickly after um, being vaccinated. And so I think uh, it's a debate for society, but we've eradicated in, you know, 50 years ago, some of these very lethal disease, and that's probably another one of them. And so yeah. we need to really, as a society, come together. Uh, when it comes to measures, these are simple things. I just got sick last week from a GI bug, you know, yeah. and uh, I'm, I'm wearing a mask and Washing my hands in airports now, moving forward, even if out of COVID, you know. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I think some of these things we need to just uh, be together to uh, to realize that that's uh, that's just it a, is disease spread yep. easy mechanism. Well, thank you, doctor, for taking time. You're a very busy man, and I really appreciate you taking the time today. He is Dr. Simon Maltus. The book is Healthcare Anonymous: Learn How to Put Yourself First While Pursuing a Calling. A lot of great information in that book. You heard doctor talk about it, and I think it makes a lot of sense. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I leave you with this thought from Albert Einstein: The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. You got me love struck, baby.